Okay, hello everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Kudan Radio. Of course, I'm Dashian Miller. At least I was when I looked at myself in the mirror this morning. Anyway, um, flying solo again. Hopefully the, for the last week, but um, anyway, we'll see what James's new job holds in holds in store for us. So anyway, um, uh, this week we're going to be taking a look at and diving into this idea of power. But we're going to be looking back through uh, our Mikio teachings. Right to give us some answers as, uh, you know, to questions like, uh, you know, great. I mean, you're seeking enlightenment, right? I mean, what is that, right? For a lot of people, it's this total state of bliss, but they can't really define that, right? Or it's a state of joy, but they can't really define that. Or it's this idea of being um, omniscient, right? Um, Super intelligent and all-knowing and wise and that kind of thing, right? But it's hard to pin things down, right? So this episode, we're going to take a look at, among other things, right, something known as the Goriki in Japanese, right, or the five powers. I'll go into that and more when we come back. So the big question is this. How are self-defense and success-minded people like us, concerned citizens worried about protecting ourselves, our loved ones, and the things we care about from the monsters we know exist in the world? How do we train in a way that gives us the skills, knowledge, and understanding we need without becoming paranoid fighters or killers ourselves, and yet still allows us to be the hero protector the world needs us to be? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Jeffrey Miller, and welcome to Kuden Radio, real training for real people in a real world. Okay, so we're back, and again, you're going to catch me like looking over to the side over here uh, at my screen because I'm both my host and my producer. No fault of James. Uh, hopefully, again, this will be my last week uh, flying solo. But uh, again, for those of you who don't know, uh, James took a new job as a temporary kind of thing, as a holdover, uh, life changes and things like that, right, um, that he needed to do uh, in between what he was doing and actually coming on board full time here uh, with me and Warrior Concepts. So looking forward to that. He's looking forward to that. I know he is, right? Um, and so anyway, we'll just keep on going. So if you just see me look into the side or whatever, um, I'm just making sure that everything is okay. And I need to turn on the chat, right? Cause again, I'm, uh, my own host and my own producer today. So anyway, all right. So, uh, again, uh, welcome to Kuden. And so what is this episode 153, right? Um, we took about a year and a half sabbatical in between episodes 67 and 68 format changed a little bit. Um, and probably will again, right? So, uh, but anyway, uh, so a bunch of episodes back, uh, I think it was a different episode, uh, but it could have been one of the other videos that I produced. Um, I went into the difference uh, between these like three areas of our training, right? Because a question can and probably should come up, right? What the hell does any of this have to do with ninjutsu training, right? What the hell does it have to do with warriorship? Or anything like that, right? Well, that question could be applied to art, poetry, writing, any of the arts, right? Which is generally just something that very, very advanced warriors always got involved in, right? Um, I mean, if you if you survive past young man or young womanhood, right, uh, battle after battle, um, there was this recognition that you needed to balance things out, right? So art and enlightenment endeavors tend to go hand in hand with warriorship. 
But again, back to the original question, right? What the hell does this have to do with like self-defense and, and those kind of things, right? Well, in that previous teaching, right, I covered tight end, right, which is what 95, 98% of people gravitate toward, tight end, tie body den transmission, right? So it's the physical training. It's the, you know, thumping and bumping that just attracts everybody uh, to, I don't know, fantasy warriorship, or if they really are, right, real world hero protectors, right? They're law enforcement, they're uh, family men or parents or whatever that they're looking to protect not only their own, but stuff they worked hard to, to, to have. And, um, you know, they just don't want somebody just coming along because they feel like it and just taking it from them, right? Um, there's something named after this, right? Kuden. Kuden, uh, the, the, the podcast itself, right? I didn't want it to be too complicated. And the Japanese is already kind of tough for some people, right? Some people just want, you know, really cool sounding um, English names for things or whatever. Others are attracted to the Japanese. Um, the number of people that call it Kuden and whatever, right? I blow those things off, right? Uh, I give my students lots of leeway. I always say in a most jovial manner, they butcher the hell out of the English language. I'm going to give them some leeway on Japanese. Anyway, so Kuden, right, um, is uh, mind transmission, right? So these are generally speaking um, from from days gone by, right? This, these were either like written text that a teacher would copy and pass to a student or uh, much like Takamasa Sensei did for Hatsumi Sensei, right, in the early days. Um, or maybe there wasn't something written and he would just sit down and just write it out, right? Hatsumi Sensei would go see Takamasa Sensei about once every week. Um, sometimes there'd be a, a second week in there, but generally not, right? And every week, Takamasa Sensei had to have spent a good part of the week either transcribing or writing things out because Hatsumi Sensei was given these little books and booklets and basically reports and things like that to go home and read, right? And again, people would wonder, even Hatsumi Sensei, right? He had black belts in several forms of karate, judo, and all kinds of things, right? Um, you know, why are you sending me home with things that I have to read on, like um, how to build a fortification, how to govern a province, right? I mean, just right? to. Ninja training, okay? So, but this is more the intellectual uh, kind of things, right? How a warrior, how a ninja thinks about things. Not telling you how to think, telling you how someone who has certain faculties, certain characteristics, right, um, views things and how that uh, how that affects decisions, planning, communications, all kinds of things, right? When and when not to act, uh, that kind of stuff, right? And then there's this other, uh, this other area of training, shinden, right? Shinden, shin, heart, right? Shin, kokoro, right? Heart, core, right? Uh, the hanya shinkyo, right? In, in our mikyo training, right? The, uh, the, uh, uh, the, Wisdom heart teachings kind of thing, right? Um, heart here meaning core, right? What's at your core? So this has to do with like everything from the teacher-student bond and connection, um, 
how we relate to things, the spiritual journey. I don't mean religious, right? The spiritual journey, those kind of things, right? Um, the depth of experience that we have, right? Um, both internally and externally, okay? These things kind of match up with the three aspects of a ninja, right? The miwokuro, right? The body capable of enduring. The, uh, uh, the, I'm sorry, the miwo shinobu, right? The body capable of, uh, of enduring. The kokoro shinobu, the mind capable of enduring. And the shikiwo shinobu, right? The perspective that is clear and open enough, um, to be able to adapt and reconcile uh, internal, external, that kind of thing, right? So anyway, um, the podcast, right, Kuden, is really kind of a, uh, a kind of a combination of the Kuden and Shinden levels, okay? So uh, I, for a lot of folks, right, this is going to be boring as hell, right? Because they want to watch a trained monkey dance around and show them some cool moves, okay? They're uber tight end, right? But from, uh, from, from the perspective of, you know, the stuff that was passed down to me, right, we're, we're seeking balance, right? And there are these three areas, even Japanese culture, right? Um, you know, American culture kind of has, you know, um, you have your family, you have your, you know, you have a job, uh, you take vacations or you have hobbies or whatever, right? But the Japanese really take this to a different level. And I think it comes from this warrior balance, right? In that you actually have three lives, three faces, okay? And there's a way that you think. There's a way that you communicate or plan or, or speak or whatever, right? And there's a way that you act in accordance with the realm that you're in, okay? So in Japan, they say that, Everyone has three lives, right? You have a family life and you have a position in that family, right? And it could be if you're an adult, like most of us, right? You have your own personal family, but then you also have extended family, right? You have past family, which is the one you grew up with, right? Mom, dad, sisters, brothers, dog, you know, whatever, right? And you have extended family, cousins, uncles, aunts, grandparents, that's that kind of thing, right? So it has nothing to do with family tree. It has to do with connection, right? And within those different dynamics, you have a place, right? In one place, right, I'm husband. In the same sphere, I'm also dad. Sometimes they overlap. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes dad is in full dad mode. And doesn't have to worry about husband mode. And this is not because, you know, wife's not going to like it or it, nothing like that, right? It's about that position, right? And sometimes you're in full spouse mode or significant other mode or whatever term you choose to use, right? Um, and you don't have to worry about dad functions, dad thinking, dad actions, right? So, and sometimes family vacation, you get you're 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 playing both right same thing with moms and you know whatever right so uh you have that role right so there's that life to it right and so there's a way to think there's certain beliefs and and perspectives and views right that are kind of underlying things and controlling those things right 
uh, and based on those things, based on those factors, beliefs, views, perspectives, uh, past, you know, knowledge or uh, family, uh, what would you call those, um, traditions and things like that, right? That causes you to think a certain way, speak a certain way, act a certain way or whatever, right? Even those people who go, ah, convention be damned, I don't have any traditions, I'll do what I want. Okay, so views, perspectives, <laughs> I still guide these things, right? I don't care. You know, what's, what's really funny to me, and this is a little, I'm going to step off the train for a second, right? Nonconformists, right? I used to, I used to think I'm a nonconformist, right? I'm not a part of any group, right? And then one of my teachers looked at me one day and he said, yes, you are. You're absolutely a part of a group, right? You're a part of a huge group. It's called nonconformist. The difference between you and most other groups is you're a part of a group called nonconformist. You're just spread around the world. Very rarely do you kind of pull together. But nonconformist pulling together in a group and acknowledging that each one of them is nonconformist, but they're all doing the same things. Kind of defeats the purpose of being a nonconformist. Because that's like <laughs> oppositional defiant disorder. Right. So but anyway. Right. Let's step back on the train, get it rolling again. OK, so um, you've got that kind of life. Right. Then we have a work life. Right. And I have a position there. We have a position there. OK. I happen to run my companies. OK. But that doesn't make me not a part of the team. OK. I, I like to think that I run things and, and operate and, and relate with my folks very much like I believe Elon Musk does his. Right. It's a part of a team. Ultimately, you're the one that signs the checks and your name's on the door and you kind of made up the rules of the game and all that kind of stuff, right? And so there's that aspect of leadership. But at the same time, right, there's, some, there's, there's this life going on, right? So, but we have that position, right? Relative, right? We're probably, unless we were just hired and we're absolutely the low man, low woman, low person, low whatever, right? Um, on the totem pole, and actually that's kind of a misnomer too, you know that, right? Being the low, being low on the totem pole, right? Totem poles are actually backwards, right? The highest face on a totem pole is actually the low, per, the, the low person, low deity, whatever, right? Um, the, the importance actually goes up as you go down the totem pole. So the first face is actually the foundation and the most important and the most powerful because it's supporting everything else. It's interesting how these things kind of get like twisted and work anyway. Right. But if you're the low person on the totem pole, right, then okay. Right. Just like joining a, a, a dojo or a martial arts academy. Okay. You come in, right. And whether the school uses the senpai, kohai, senior, junior, uh, uh, kind of, a family orientation kind of thing. Um, when you join, right, you're kohai to everybody, right? You're junior to everybody, and everybody is your senpai, whether they're a teacher or not, whether a sensei or not, right? Senpai. Students ahead of you, right? Seniors. But as you continue to move forward, everyone who joins after you is your kohai. Don't let ego rule. Okay. So at a certain point, equilibrium gets established, right? Unless you end up taking over the school, right? Equilibrium gets established and you have 
your position relative to senpai, right? Those senior to you and kohai, those junior to you. Okay. So the way that position works, just like on a job, you have responsibilities and accountability to certain people and you have responsibilities and duties to other people. Okay. So there's people you report to and you're supposed to be doing things to standard and whatever, right? But there's other people in a different position that you should be pulling up, that you should be helping out. It's really weird here in the West because most Westerners don't see it that way. Okay. Most Westerners, very few Westerners have a, a job that they sought out, they researched, and they absolutely dive into because it's what they want to be doing, right? And they know that they're not starting out as the head of the company. They know they're not whatever, right? Um, and even if they don't like super enjoy things, they recognize they have responsibilities and duties, right? And they do those to the best of their ability, okay? And they understand that where, where in the West, there's this negative statement about being a cog in a wheel, right? Or being this, I'm just a cog in a machine, right? Great, okay? Every piece is important. Cog, lever, wire, whatever, okay? But they don't mean it that way, okay? Because it allows them to, it doesn't allow them. It causes them to bitch and moan and complain, but at the same time, they won't go looking for something better or better yet, quit, start your own damn company. That way you shouldn't have any complaints at all. Except that doesn't work either. I know because I'm there. I don't have any complaints, but problems don't go away. I just have more positions to fill. Right. So and eventually people to not like me. Uh, they don't want to do that either because, you know, then I'd be one of them. <laughs> Sorry, this stuff makes me chuckle. Anyway, but here's a problem, right? When people are at work, they wish they were at home or doing something else, right? When they're in parent role, they wish they could just watch the game or they're on family vacation and then they hit a point where they can't wait to get home because going to work would be a whole lot less work and running around with these rugrats all day long or whatever, right? So that's just two of them, right? The third life is the hobby life, right? Used to be a caricature of Japanese people when I was growing up, okay? And, uh, you know, caricature faces aside, because they have them of us as well, right? They always had a camera hanging around their, way, uh, around their neck because they vacationed and photography was a very uh, popular uh, pastime, right? Things that, that a Japanese person could dive into and they learned everything about it, right? They learned how to frame a shot. They, it wasn't just like I got a camera and I'm just going to take a picture of my Mountain Dew and tell everybody in the world that I just had a Mountain Dew, right? How shallow a life. Anyway, um, so that was one of them, right? But the reality is that there are, there are kind of some standardized kind of things that um, as a, is a part of Japanese culture, right? 
And a lot of it comes from this, again, this warrior background, right? And, and the art side of things. So there's shou or shodo calligraphy. There's, um, I think it's called hanago, but I could be wrong, right? Uh, flower arranging, right? There's, uh, this rock gardening kind of thing, right? Which is a meditation, uh, kind of thing, right? Um, or just gardening in general. There's photography, right? And, uh, martial arts. Okay. And again, you join a group of people that do this, right? It's this, it's this, this group of, of fellow practitioners, fellow, uh, hobbyist or whatever, right? And so you're in this organization and maybe, you, maybe you go solo, but typically they tend to, to band together in a group where they can discuss this thing, right? Um, I've been, I've been invited to, uh, groups. My, my students and I have been invited to groups when we go to Japan. As a matter of fact, the, the friend that I have that owns the guest house that we've always stayed in, um, he's a uh, retired school teacher and principal, right? He actually owned a private school at one point. And um, he heads up a Japanese English uh, study group, right? And these folks get together and they practice English on each other and they do all kinds of cool stuff, right? The big thing during their sessions is um, little to no Japanese is spoken, okay? So they really immerse themselves. And then what they do, since he really is a networker, right? Um, when his friends are in Japan and typically staying with him, um, he will casually say, um, perhaps uh, you would be a guest, at our meeting, at our group meeting, uh, on this day at this time, right? And of course, I politely agree, right? And so, uh, you know, they have like a bagged lunch, dinner, a little snack kind of thing, right? And everybody gets up, tells a story, does something. Some of our folks often demonstrate techniques, whatever, but they, the mingling, uh, allows them to, you know, converse and, and things like that. And, you know, I, I've already tried saying, you know, well, you help me with, uh, I'll help you with your English if you help me with the Japanese. But that's not the point of that group. So they always politely decline, right? But the point here is that they've got this other life, right, where they can immerse themselves in something they absolutely want to do. Because for a Japanese person, their family or home life, right, that side of them, does not belong to them. It belongs to that group. It belongs to the wife or husband and the children and whatever, because there are responsibilities and duties. Their work life does not belong to them. Even at the highest position, it doesn't belong to them. It belongs to the team and the customers and, and everyone else that's being served by their, by their position, right? It's this third area, right? The hobby life where they can be them, okay? But even in martial arts, right, there's position. And so um, but it allows them to break from the the, the system uh, and the, I'm going to use the term class system that they might be in the hierarchical system at work. Right. Because they might be high man. They might be middle man. They might be low man at home. Right. Um, whatever. They might always have the duties of paying the high man because they're the husband or they're the, they're the wife or you know, they're the eldest child or whatever, right? Even though there's a 
class or ranking system in a lot of these endeavors like martial arts, it allows them to be in a different place, right? And I think from my perspective, right? Of course, this is just my opinion. I believe that here in the West, we're really missing that, right? And I think that's what causes a lot of disgruntledness, right? When people are at work, that they don't, they don't play the role. They wish they were at home or they wish they were doing their hobby or whatever, right? When they're doing their hobby, um, they either half-ass it or they let it consume everything and then it leads to laziness or it leads to uh, distraction in other areas, right? Um, or whatever. Same thing with family, whatnot, right? Um, but they just have a they just have a much more clear way of doing things. Now, are there exceptions? Of course there are, right? But generally speaking, it's just the way it works, right? So um, the, the point of all of this, right, and one of the reasons that drew me uh, to the Enlightenment teachings is the idea is that physical self-defense, right, I mean, it's not just duck and punches and those kind of things, right? It's not, just not the physical moves, right? On the on the kuden side, the intellectual, the knowledge side, right? How much do I know about conflict? How much do I know about what causes conflict? That meant led me to to understand different personality types or different uh, different personality traits, right? Which led me to understand how certain things based on someone's experience, past, education, programming, or whatever, might trigger them to aggression, right? And so, okay, that's, that, that man, there's a whole bunch of different ways that a fight could start, or um, there's lots of reasons why somebody might choose me as a target, right? Like, I think I told everybody, once I was targeted uh, because of the way I walk. Okay. Um, they equated that with military. To them, anybody who was in the military is a baby killer. And they held it there as their moral and ethical responsibility to either beat the shit out of, cripple, or kill the baby killer. Okay. The irony is that, yes, I'm former military, but no what they saw as military walking was actually learned in this martial art. Uh, it just made me look like I was in way too good of control of my body to be just an average Joe. So I've learned to break that up a little bit. Right. So, uh, but it leads to different areas, right? It leads to, it led me to recognize that there are many, many me, areas that still constitute self-defense that most people don't think of because most people think of self-defense as fighting, right? It's the same thing, right? It's the same moves. It's the whatever, right? It's the physical come, you know, coming to blow or whatever, right? But self-defense, right? Defense of myself, protecting myself, help buying medical insurance so that I'm not left poor and destitute if I break an arm, and need medical treatment is self-defense. And for those of you who live in countries that 
you don't have to worry about that um, because your higher taxes go to that. Fantastic. Pick something else. Right. Um, we just invested a certain amount of money getting back into the house, certain amount of money per month, having um, a complete security and, and fire uh, system put in place. Right. It's ADT for anybody that cares here in the States. Um, so. But that's all part of self-protection. That's all part of me protecting my family. Has nothing to do with Ichimonji. Has nothing to do with a gun. Right. It's a piece of the puzzle. Just like de-escalation tactics, just like escape tactics, just like stealth, just like uh, uh, post-trauma recovery afterwards, just like legal recovery or defense afterwards, just in case, right? Just like situational awareness, just like research into different uh, different uh, uh, attacker types and different fight methodologies or attack methodologies, uh, different ways that somebody could use a knife. Uh, how how does that come in, right? That all feeds my Kaiden, right? My physical training, but I have things in place so that it doesn't get there. So so the direct relationship of this is there, right? But then there's the Shinden, right? How does this serve? Well, it's the death to experience, right? It's the value that I have to my family, the value that I have to my team, my students at the academy. Um, it's the value that I bring to the world or see in myself, right? I ask youth students as soon as they join the school, right? And, you know, I ask them uh, to define respect. Uh, uh, often they lead to obedience and things like that, right? But as we define it, respect is treating other people, places, and things as though they're as important to you as you are to you. And then I say, do you think you're important? Yes, Sensei. Fantastic, right? Because we don't put security guards on trash dumps, right? And, uh, you know, I don't know, brackish ponds and things like that, right? Um, we, we put them on banks and, and uh you know, Fort Knox and jewelry stores and things, right? Things that house things that are valuable, that we hold to be valuable, right? So there's really no point in learning self-defense if we don't see ourselves as having any kind of value. I'm not, that's not meant to knock anybody down or anything like that, right? But often people jump on the whole self-defense or martial arts train as an attempt to pull themselves up, to feel more powerful and all that. But then there tends to be this kind of a weird disconnect, right? They're seeking more power, but internally, right, there's still this, there, there are still these situations that pop up that just make them feel like an imposter, okay? And we don't want that to happen, right? So um, I jumped on the wisdom teachings, right, the enlightenment teachings, because it was about truth and figuring things out and, and recognizing value and developing certain personal character traits that make somebody the warrior they want to be. Right. But that doesn't mean that we're in physical armor, you know, Udoi or anything like that. Right. Um, as a matter of fact, in Mikyo, um, what you visualize is being in armor made of diamonds. Right. 
and not that they're like all sparkly and stuff like that, right? But the point is that um, a diamond is very, very hard, right? Nearly indestructible. Back in the day when when that was chosen as a as a uh, as a symbol, right? It was seen as the hardest substance, right? But it's also very clear, right? Which means it's invisible to everybody else, right? And so people aren't put on guard and they're not put in a defensive position. They're not made afraid because you're walking around in obviously visible armor, right? Uh, or carrying obviously visible weapons and things like that, right? Um, but it's also a symbol of truth, right? Just clear. And it's indestructible. You can argue over it, but it doesn't change it. Right? Anyway, so what I thought I'd do during this episode uh, was to, is, is to take a look at two things. One, kind of going to go backwards. And I'm actually pulling this because people keep asking me about uh, doing uh, one of these development programs. And so I have decided um, starting two weeks from now. So we're going to take two weeks to fill the classroom. It'll be a virtual uh, classroom. It's gonna take two weeks. Uh, anybody that jumps on early will be getting a kind of head start uh, things to work on, right? But either way, um, we're, we're finishing out a page right now that uh, folks can go to and, um, and, uh, and register for it. But we're gonna be working on this, this program called the Sanjushichi Dobo, the 37 uh, elements or fundamentals leading to enlightenment. Okay. And it was a list that was uh, kind of given by uh, the historical um, awakened one, Shakyamuni Buddha, right? Siddhartha Gautama. Um, when his disciples came to him and said, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that really want the benefit of this stuff, but they don't want to become a Buddhist. They don't want to leave their home and go to a monastery or go off to the woods or mountains to meditate or whatever. Right. So what could we give them? That would work. I mean, they, they could do this and get to at least that first level of enlightenment and and benefit for themselves. Right. Uh, in Sanskrit, it's called the, uh, the Arhat. Right. In Japanese, it's called an Ajari, A-J-A-R-I. Right. One who has become enlightened for their own self-benefit. OK. That doesn't mean they don't benefit others. Right. Uh, but that becomes indirect. Right. There's actually four levels of, uh, of of training in this, and we'll we'll be discussing that as well. Even though, so there's some things that are precursors to this that have to be covered, and then we're going to cover these seven study areas. Some are for internal work, and some are for external observation. Right. So uh, we'll be we'll be starting that. It'll be a ten week course, uh, one class a week, study and actual practical work to be done during the week um, for folks to just kind of start the journey, right? Um, and uh, probably next week, uh, I'm going to be doing a free webinar on uh, the seven branches of the seven characteristics of an enlightened mind. So the target, right? What we're aiming for, um, of which what I'm going to be covering tonight, again, very cursory level, we'll go into this much, much deeper in the course, um, but th this other thing is these five powers um, we're going to be we're going to be talking about. Right. So um, this episode was all about what kind of power. Right. One can 
develop, right? Because um, weapons will only take you so far. Ichimon's no kamae. As most people think of it, will only take you so far. Because Ichimon's no kamae has three aspects to it, right? There's a physical aspect, there's a mental aspect, and there's an emotional, spiritual aspect to it that is all the same, but only one of them puts you into uh, a given posture as most people think of them, right? So, again, seven study areas. I'm going to have to – I'm probably going to tweak this a little bit. If it, if it takes uh, 11 weeks, 12 weeks, whatever, to get everything out to everybody, I'm, I'm just going to end up doing that, right? So whatever the tuition is, that's what it's going to be. But I can see where moving along, um, some folks might get hung up in certain areas or because of the breadth of the material, we might have to split something between two classes, right? And as always, I want to end up wiring in uh, a review class or two, which means that this might, at the end of it, turn into a 15-week course instead of a 10-week course. But at the moment, the plan is 10. We'll see how that works, right? So anyway, let's do this. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna check things here because again, I don't have James uh, let me know anything. So uh, just gonna jump around and see where people are coming in from. Uh, so Tori's over on looks like uh, was that YouTube? Always good content shared so I can watch later. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Uh, Joel, amen. Richard, great subject. Shihan, excellent. All right. So um, if anybody has any questions up to this point, uh, now be a time uh, to ask. I'm really trying to, to look at the camera. Okay. For those of you on audio only, like you get this uh, after the fact, um, Apple Podcast or Stitcher Radio or you know, these hundreds of, of directories that we're on, um, you, you, you don't, you're not seeing this thing, right? But as I do this live, we do it. Um, I'm using a service called Restream, which means that I'm um, simultaneously streaming to uh, two Facebook pages, um, YouTube, uh, my LinkedIn uh, page, and there might be another one in there. Anyway, so, um, but again, there, there's this visual aspect to it um, with it being live. So anyway, um, just trying to multi, not really multitask, um, using a principle called leverage. Okay, that means that I'm doing one thing that has multiple effects, right, that uh, can be used or uh that can cause a trickle effect in multiple directions, right? It's just leverage is just uh, another way of using karma, right? Action, cause and effect, All right? So anyway, um, also don't forget uh, May 19th, 20th, and 21st is this year's spring camp. I know Richard Demio and a bunch of other folks are already signed up for it to do the virtual side of things. Uh, and of course, we're going to be live at the Academy um, this year coincidentally, right along with this stuff, right, is uh, Realms of Power. So um, we're going to be doing lots of taijutsu and weapons and things like that. But the the focus, right, the kuden and the shinden side of things is going to be looking at multiple realms of power that we can have influence over in our own lives, right? So things aren't so black and white. Things aren't so on or off uh easy or stuck or whatever okay all right so 
I don't see anything else popping in, but I'll give it a quick uh, minute here. And I got to keep talking to wet my throat. I talk for a living. That's what I do. <laughs> and I'll go home later. I know I'm in my home, but we're still in the rental. Fire's a bitch, man. Never have one. Um, uh, so then, you know, my wife will get to complain because I don't talk to her that much. It has nothing to do with her. Absolutely nothing. It's because I spend time with students all day long or in meetings or whatever in, in these different endeavors that I have. And by the end of the day, I'm tired of the sound of my own voice. And I just want quiet. Anyway, uh, let's see. Phil Jones says, well, now officially even more excited for the seminar. <laughs> awesome, Phil. Right? Phil's one of my long, long distance students. Not as long as uh, Carl. Carl's in Perth, Australia. And I've got somebody in Macau, which is, uh, you know, off the coast of China. And, well, it's part of China. Uh, people all over the place. Anyway, so uh, cool. Well, I'm glad that I could now make you excited. I hope I can live live up to it. Anyway, no, that's all right. We'll just get, let it go. All right. So let's do this, right? We're going to jump in and take a look at the five powers. Now, the five powers, right? Again, this is like walking around the mandala. And I'm not going to reference the mandala beyond that because this is a, um, a very basic approach, right? Here are these lessons. Um, they're all wrapped around meditations, which, again, as a part of the upcoming um, course, we're going to have to take a look at this idea of meditation. Okay. The only thing I'm going to, the only thing I'm going to say about meditation in the context of this, uh, you know, this, this episode is that meditation, like a lot of these Eastern concepts, whether we're talking about our martial side or the meditative side, right, um, is very poorly translated. Okay. What I mean by that is the, the, the East, right, in, in Sanskrit and Pali and even Chinese and Japanese, right, there are concepts and there are things that we're working on that can be summed up by like a word or two, right, that we need, <laughs> we need sentences or paragraphs or whatever, right. Um, so, but there's, there's many things that they really don't have an equivalent, right. So we have to get, we have to get the translation right. We have to make sure that teacher and students are all on the same page, so to speak, right? That we're all defining a given word the same way. Because if we don't, then we leave it up to everybody's kind of conventional understanding or belief system to translate it. And then they, they could be just heading in the wrong direction. Okay, so all I'm going to say about meditation today is that um, meditation, the way most people think of it, is a type of practice, right? They sit, stand, kneel, face mecca, lay down, whatever, right? Close their eyes, breathe, visualize or not or whatever. But in the context of the teachings, yes, that's it, right? But in the context of the teachings... That kind of meditation, right, making air quotes for the guys on audio only, is like a kata in the martial arts. Do this thing this way. Okay? 
and then it's being done for many different kind of reasons, but that reason goes to the original definition for meditation, right? Meditation is a state of mind, okay? And we have three primary states of mind. We have one where we can pay attention to something and focus on it to the exclusion of all else. And if we go deep enough with it, we lose the distinction between me here and that thing over there. It's like somebody watching a movie and, uh, you know, or a, a sporting event, right? Maybe it's an American football game and somebody gets tackled and the person who's watching it is so into it that when the tackle happens, their body moves the same way that the guy that got hit moves or moved, right? They're that connected to it. They didn't get hit, but you would think that they did right? Because they lost the distinction, right? Um, there's a, a state of mind that we have that allows us to follow things, right? To gain insight from it, to comprehend, to analyze, right? It's following, right? So let's go back to the movie, right? If we didn't have that faculty, we couldn't follow the storyline in a movie or read a book and see anything more than black ink or squigglies or whatever on a white piece of paper. Okay. And then we have this faculty that allows us to see alternate realities, we'll call it. Right. And I don't mean that we have to eat mushrooms. Right. I just mean that. Right. Um, accidentally. Right. At night while sleeping, we dream. Okay. Midday. We, we could be daydreaming. We could be thinking about what that said to me earlier today. Who does he think he whatever? And we're reliving it. Right. Um, we could be telling somebody a story and visualizing it in our head. Right. We could be thinking about the vacation we're going to be taking and visualizing. OK, do I have everything packed? OK, and we're going to go where and what was the route on the map that I saw? That kind of stuff. Right. And then all these other types of meditation is just to come up, is either, are there either ways to work on each one of these individually, be able to switch back and forth between one or more of them, or two or more of them, sorry, um, or work multiples, like layers at the same time. Okay. So again, we'll have to talk about these things and we'll have to, and of course, I'm going to give everybody you know, uh, meditative practice things to do. Because again, part of this stuff is internal work, excuse me, and part of it is external observation and validation of experience. Okay, so I'm kind of putting the cart before the horse, but I think it's okay, right? Putting the cart before the horse um, by describing the five powers because this is the end result of work on a set just before this known as the five potentials, right? So in one type of practice and exercise, you're not there yet, right? Or your future, um, how's this work? You're, you're uh, contemplating things, right? So what you're focusing on is 
what would it be like to have one of these five, right? All of these five, right? What would the experience of life be like? How would things be different? That kind of thing, right? And then this other one is actually focusing on when you experience that and how can we recreate it. So one is external, right? Future-paced. One is internal, past reflection for future work. Okay, so again, we're going to take a look at the powers because, you know, I I don't know that many people have given much thought to um, what kind of powers would you have if you were enlightened? Okay, in the esoteric teachings, in Mikyo or the the Vajrayana, um, a lot of people are more familiar with it if I say Tibetan Buddhism, right? But there are these literal powers that they're known as Shidis, S-I-D-D-H-A-S, right? S-I-D-D-H-I-S, CDs, right? Which just means powers, right? But they're not things that you like run around and learn how to do and, you know, like magic tricks and things like that, right? These are actually, we're going to call them side effects, right? They're byproducts. They're things that that you develop by working on yourself, eliminating habits and and blockages and limitations and those kind of things and learning and observing right and discovering truth and and whatnot right so um like from our tied to right um the more you let go and the more you allow yourself to feel them right the pressure that they're putting on you, their presence, that kind of thing, right? Um, and the more you can let go of what you're going to do next or your worry about whether you're going to get hit or what, you know, you have to win or anything like that, right? The more you find that your right brain takes over, there are these other faculties that are not tied to left brain, step one, step two, or whatever, that end up taking over and you can feel things that the average person has no idea even exist, right? And you're able to do things that to other people just seem like, how the hell did you even? And my answer, which used to confuse me because I got, I, I got this answer from Hatsumi Sensei, right? And, you know, it was a cool thing to parrot, right? But lots of people parrot things, but they don't understand it. Just like a parrot doesn't understand English, right? It just does this thing, right? So, um, this gets a little bit difficult to explain, right? But I came to understand that when someone says, how do you know? The answer has to be, I don't know. I just know that I know. Well, how is that possible? Because my intellect wasn't leading. My left brain wasn't leading. If it was leading, I'd have tripped over myself and probably gotten killed. Okay, because it because of the way it operates, right? That's part of the Kuden study, right? So anyway, right? Um, there's two sides to a lot of these things, right? Internal study, internal reflection, practice, working on 
you know, things, right? And then there's external, right? Either what would it be like? How would I affect things? What would that do for me? Whatever. Or another way to look at the five powers is to find examples of them operating in the world. What does that look like? Because ultimately you have two choices. You can do the hard work and produce that in yourself, or you can take ego's little amusement park ride, look at the examples, and then fake it, which is going to work as long as you stay around people who don't know what they're looking at. Okay? It's kind of like people that knock some of the videos that I put up, uh, these little couple of seconds to no more than one-minute YouTube shorts, and they're going to suppose that they know everything about what I'm presenting. Like if I'm showing Hokel no Kamai or whatever. Well, how about if I just throw some kicks at those ribs that are exposed? One minute or less is not long enough to cover the weeks, months, and years it's going to need, I'm going to need to show you why that doesn't work, right? It's just easier for me to let them believe what they want. It's also easy to click on their, their, uh, their uh, handles, right, or whatever, right, go to their page and realize they have no subscribers and they have no videos to show that they actually know what the hell they're talking about. So what I do know is the way the YouTube algorithm works. And every time somebody comments and every time, oh, even better, when they share it to make fun of it, the algorithm, right, the computer program goes, hey, People really like this guy's stuff. Let's show more people. Perfect. Thank you very much. I appreciate your negative character traits. Okay. Anyway, which leads us to power number one. Okay. So again, the, the, the five powers, right? These are meditations or contemplations of the experience, right? of uh we'll call them the exercise right or the, uh, these potentials right the, the, again there's this whole the, the same five are mirrored in a previous set of teachings known as the five potentials right and so what we're really looking at is is these things being the experience that you're having once you have developed the potentials right so anyway right um, we'll go into, uh, like I said, much, much deeper. Um, I, I don't have the time, nor the, this is not the right context uh, to, to do this. But anyway, so the first one is the power of confidence, right? How many of you would have ever identified confidence as a power? Okay. It's a personal trait, right? It's a feeling. It's an experience or whatever. No. It's a power, okay? And it's it's not it's not not self-esteem, okay? But it's like knowing what you know, knowing what you don't know, and being okay with that, okay? Because it doesn't matter which side you're on, you know it or you don't know it, right? You have you have choice, right? But it's been said that there's nothing sexier or, or confidence looks sexy on everybody. Okay, confidence looks good on everybody. 
Okay. Certainly looks better than cluelessness, right? And it's also not the same as arrogance. And as a part of the potentials, you have to come to an understanding of what the difference is and how, no matter how much you're on the enlightened side of confidence, you could still be identified as arrogant. Okay. There is a huge difference internally as a personal character trait between confidence and arrogance and pretending to be confident, right? There's a huge difference between confidence and arrogance, but externally in the world, your confidence can still be translated as arrogance. And the difference is intent. So if I'm confident, if I'm around other people that are confident or reasonably confident in their own skin, it's perceived as confidence. But if I'm around someone who has high anxiety, a high degree of fear, or is a control freak, it'll be translated as arrogance. Okay. It has nothing to do with me or you. In that case, it has everything to do with them. But you still have to do the, do the work because if one or two people have a problem with you, that's one thing. That's probably a, a personality uh, conflict. If it's more than that, it's probably mirror reflection time. Okay. Anyway, power of confidence. I'm, again, I'm not, I don't have the time or the wherewithal to go deep into this. This is what those the other um, program is for okay next one is the power of courageous endeavor brave action right um so the whole idea is success breeds success right what would it feel like i'm asking as a potential right but what would it feel like if something new popped up or there was an opportunity to do something or yeah, you know, you could take an adventure or you had to try something new or there was a major change that took place or whatever. And right. See how these all connect, right? Cause it's going to be, be based on confidence as well, but you're able to just take that first step. Okay. Not even give it a thought. Okay. Can you be dropped off in a new culture with nothing, not even know the language, and one, be confident enough in yourself and your ability to figure things out and not have anxiety crush you, but also to not uh, cave or be paralyzed by fear, right? Um enough to go right so there's con there's the confidence is there right but this courageous endeavor right going to do whatever it takes okay i know there's going to be challenges i know part of this might even hurt right but i'm going to do whatever needs to be done to get this no matter what right but that's for everybody to figure out right 
So uh, number three is the power of mindfulness. Okay. And again, mindfulness, awareness, right? Um, what are we paying attention to? Okay. What degree of attention do we give it? Right. It's just a cursory kind of thing. Or do we notice? And what I have found is the cool thing about the, the more you work on mindfulness, just like uh, concentration, it's not the same. Right. Um, it's a type of mindfulness, but it's not the same. The more the, the, they're just like skills, they're just like rolling and punching and things like that. The more you practice them, the better you get. But at a certain point. You start to recognize things that you're even surprised that you recognized. Okay? But then you get past that and you just but it's not like you're you're running around trying, right? To to spot new things. Okay? It's just you just kind of take things in. Okay. Um but the awareness thing and the mindfulness is not just that kind of awareness. It's also where you direct your mind. What kind of thoughts do you entertain? Are they typically negative? Are they typically positive? Right? Are they typically scattered? Are they typically orderly? Right? Um, are they productive, unproductive, wholesome, unwholesome, that kind of thing, right? So what we're really looking at here is that the mind, we're in control of our mind, not the other way around. Okay? I mentioned this during the program, I'm sure, at least once. Um, the symbol in the East for, especially in India, right, for an un, uh, an uncontrolled mind, uh an unenlightened mind, right, is a tree full of chattering monkeys, okay? The one that is slipping and falling, the one that's swinging, the one that's screeching, whatever, right, the one that's flinging poo, that's the one that gets attention. But in a second, another one is doing something that catches your attention, and you're just, you're all over the place, right? It's a tree full of chattering monkeys, okay? But that's what the mind does. The mind makes thoughts, okay? Where are you directing your mindfulness? Where are you uh, directing your awareness kind of thing, right? So, again, back with the potentials. And again here, right, um, it's, I, I, it's first identifying where's your mind? Where are you going? What are you doing? Okay. And... I'd make and identifying those areas where you have to work, you have to figure it out. Okay. So anyway, um, so we have confidence, courageous endeavor, power of mindfulness. Page here. More, more video topics to record later. Okay. Power of concentration. Right. Mindfulness and concentration are not the same. I mentioned, mentioned that earlier. Right. Concentration. Focus. Right. So that's the ability to hold your mind in a certain place, on a certain thing, whether it's a process, uh, an object, an activity, right, yourself, your breath, whatever, okay? So 
um, what's that like? Okay. And can we hold it right where it needs to be? Right. So again, the, the, the power of concentration. Now we could go back, you know what? We'll do that afterwards. We'll do this as, as let me just get through this. Um, anyway, power of concentration, right? Your ability of concentration, your ability to pay attention to what's going on, right? So mindfulness is what's going on in your head and what kind of thoughts you're entertaining, right? Do, do you find out that you're judgmental or you do a lot of internal narrating, right? Like you're telling yourself what you see. Oh, that's neat. That's kind of square and it's a little odd. Can't you see that? Can you not see that that's square and it's the color orange or some orange-like color? Do you have to tell yourself? That's like being in a film noir, right? One of these uh, private eye movies where, you know, the, the main character is doing their thing in the movie, but in between them doing things, they're telling you what they were thinking and doing and whatever, right? The, 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 I mean, I used to do it too, right? But the more that faded away, I mean, I've had, had discussions with students where they were arguing that it's impossible to think without thinking in words. And I'm like, really? So babies, how does that work? They haven't even learned a language yet. Okay. So, uh, but the more that went away where I could just observe something, somebody would tell me, you know, somebody tells me something, right? So like, you know, this thing and, um, the, okay, great. Well, do you believe me? I have no reason to not believe you. Sure. I believe you I believe that that's what happened to you. I mean, based on your experience, that's okay. Well, you're looking at me like you don't believe me. No, I have, why, why would I not? Okay. So until other evidence comes along. Okay. What I, now if you want to talk about belief, what I, no, it's not even belief. It's a knowing. I know that you are conveying the story based on your experience, your translation of what occurred from your perspective. And there's the possibility that there's an agenda behind the scenes that is determining what you say, how you say it and how you describe things like your role in the argument that occurred and how that may have determined why it went the direction it did, why it even started or whatever, right? When someone says, this is what they did, this is what I did, if you were me, what would you have done? Right? The answer is one, I'm not you. Two, based on what you've told me about the story, Here's what I would do. But three, I'm not you. And we both need to understand that having not been there, not be you, and not having a vested interest in that, in, in winning or losing that little exchange, I can only give you my opinion based on the pieces of information that I have. People usually stop telling me or asking me what. I would have done because that points back to way too much stuff that they don't want to have to think about. But that's the kind of things that an enlightened mind thinks about. Not that I'm enlightened. I am striving for it. There's seven branches to work on.
Anyway, and then there's the power of wisdom, which is kind of what I was just alluding to. Right. So the idea with wisdom is how are you using what you have learned? How are you using what you know? Okay. The wise person knows not only when to speak and what to say, but also when to not speak and when it's just more powerful to not say anything. Okay. They don't speak because they need to fill the silence. They don't speak because they need to sound like they're wise or important. Okay. What do you have to say about this? Nothing. Well, I'm sure you're thinking something. I'm trying to make sense out of what you just told me. At the moment, I have no opinion. Most people don't, don't go, they, they don't get that because life is too polarized. Black, white, it's either yes or it's no. You either believe me or you don't. No, there's way more than that. Okay. Which is why this and what it leads to in our Mikio training has been often identified and affectionately called crazy wisdom. Because it's very, very difficult for the average person using conventional thinking and expedient thinking, right? This is just quick and easy, right? Um, and habitual thinking. Um, to get their head wrapped around everything that was put into it. Again, going back to the videos that, that I've been putting up, right? Again, they're one minute or less, right? There's so much that's shoved into a piece just to kind of get some traction on it, get people like looking at the, the actual goal with the shorts is to get people to watch more of these, right? Uh, the whiteboard Wednesdays and stuff like that. Because it's my way of driving a shit ton of people, right? If you look at my short videos, right, I average somewhere between 1,200. Well, there are some that have shorter, a couple of hundred views or whatever, right? But my average is somewhere around two to 3,000 views per video, and that happens within a week, okay? Very often, I've got 1,200 to 1,500 views um, within the first hour or two that it goes up. It's not about, I mean, as impressive as that sounds, that's great, but it's like a fishing trawler dropping a net in the water where there's a school of fish. What I'm looking for are the people that look at that and go, hmm, what else do you have? Okay, okay, short, short, short. Okay, is there something else? Oh, look at that. And then they contact us or they jump over to the website and they go, oh, that program looks cool because this is how I find students. I don't find students. Well, I do find students, right? But what I'm looking for are people with a different way of thinking and different personality traits because I can teach skills. It takes too damn long, if it's even possible at all, to get somebody to change their habit patterns and their personal personality traits, right? Lazy, quick, easy. I, okay. I need people. I'm looking for people that are thinkers. I'm looking for people that um, 
that question things. I'm looking for people that, you know, it's really funny, right? One of my, one, a student that I have in uh, one of the long distance programs, uh, it's a do it yourself uh, black belt course. And he writes to me every once in a while, right? Is the uh, head of training for all field agents in the department of Homeland security, right? Uh, I have uh, special forces people writing to me. I have uh, doctors and heads of medical groups and things like that. Right. Um, as students, people that are, Big time critical thinkers and a lot of them are surrounded by violence on a regular basis, right? They don't have time and they, they, their bullshit meters are this high, right? Higher, right? For those of you watching visually, I can't, I guess I can go beyond the screen, but, um, really, really high, right? Very, very sensitive. And the guys whose lives are on the line and have a certain type of experience, right? Are looking for certain types of training, certain types of skills, certain types of lessons. They're the ones that I get positive feedback from. You know, I don't get positive feedback from the jack wagons who think that they know everything and they're just fighters. Right. They, they think they've got something to prove or whatever, but they have no evidence out in the world to show that they actually know what the hell they're talking about. But they got to say something. They can't help themselves. OK, so they're in my realm, too. I just use them to help tell YouTube how popular my stuff is. So YouTube shows it to more people. I'm cool with that. OK, so. Anyway, um, power of confidence, power of courageous endeavor, power of mindfulness, power of concentration, and power of wisdom, right? So what would life be like, right? Um, instead of running around trying to force things to be the way we want them to be, instead of trying to run around avoiding all of the things that we just don't want to have to put up with, right? What if we were just more clear about things? What if we, the way we thought about things was done in a way that either we have to accept it because that's just the way shit works. Gravity is gravity. Oxygen is oxygen. As a human being, I need an oxygen-nitrogen mix. And if I get deprived of that, well, shit stops working. Gravity, that stops working, I float off into space. There's just certain things that it's just not up for debate, right? There's other things that um, I I accept because it's a part of the process, right? Like martial arts training is going to be painful. Enlightenment training is going to be painful but not necessarily for the same reasons, okay? They're both gonna cause me to decide whether or not I need to quit. And for those of you who know the matrix uh, reference I'm making here, right? Every moment for a while is going to be a red pill, blue pill moment. Then there's gonna be a phase that you hit where you, you, you use the one line that the character used, why oh why didn't I take the blue pill? And then you're going to get to a point where even if you could, you wouldn't because you can't go back. You know what that would be like. So anyway, um, there's power, right? Enlightenment is not just a state where like, oh, there's clarity and there's yes, there is. There's there's other things that were not mentioned in the five powers. Right. But. These things produce a certain type of power, right? 
Now, there's also recognition. Let me clear this thing up because they're not permanent. Nothing is permanent. There's the reality of impermanence, right? Um, even the, the Buddha said, even the enlightened ones must constantly mind mind, especially when you're around the, the unenlightened. And the lower down the scale, the more you have to be on guard and the more you have to do things to help not only maintain, but eventually to reset. Because if you're not constantly minding mind, right, their thought patterns and their speech patterns will creep in. Because the, one of the things about the, the subconscious mind is that it cannot tell the difference between something you say and something someone else says when the word I is a part of the statement. Right? This has happened in like uh, they, they've discovered this in medical realms when it, can, it comes to surgery. People come out of surgery with like pains that doctors can't find, um, whatever anxieties, all kinds of things. Right. And what they've uh, what they've uh, linked it to is the, the discussions, discourse and conversations that the medical team was having while the person was under sedation. Right. I'm anxiety. I, you know, I've, I've had these constant headaches that won't go away. Um, I hate that person, blah, 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 whatever. Right. Then this person comes out of, you know, out of anesthesia, right. They're back into a conscious state, but they've got all this stuff stewing back there that was planted unintentionally by other people. Now extend that for your entire life. And all of the conversations you've either been directly a part of where other people have spoken about themselves using the word I, or you have overheard consciously or unconsciously in the lunchroom, in church, in the store, whatever, again and again and again. These things have to be ferreted out. Anyway, so if you are interested in the upcoming course, again, we'll start in about two weeks. Um, but if you're interested in jumping on the Sanjichich Dolbon 37 Fundamentals course, uh, shoot us an email, warriorc at warrior-concepts-online.com, just to let us know that you are so that we can put you on kind of an early bird list. We're working to get a couple of pages set up. One will be a to get on the early bird list. Um, and then, like I said, next week, probably Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday of next week, the two days that I have available, um, I will be doing a free uh, webinar. Right. Free webinar on uh, one of the other aspects, which are the seven branches or the seven characteristics of an enlightened mind. Right. And that's kind of the target. Right. Again, that we're aiming for. Um, and then we're going to go hard and fast to kind of fill this thing up. Probably going to hold it about at about um, uh, 20 to 30 students because I can't check everybody's um, weekly homework and all that kind of stuff beyond that. And hopefully James uh, can jump on. Um, after that point. But if that's something you, you definitely want to um, take a look at, we'll get you on a list and um, we'll help you out. Okay. If not, no harm, no foul. Right. This is this is a personal journey and it's an offer. Right. If it's something that is of interest to you. Now, if you're in my platinum elite uh, platinum plus groups, uh, you already have uh, access to this stuff. All you have to do is decide whether or not you're going to join in and or um 
uh, watch the or listen to the recordings after the fact. Oh, I forgot. The, everything's going to be recorded as usual. So um, it will actually um, later on uh, after this whole thing is done, it will be converted to a standalone course that people can go through as a do it yourself kind of thing. Um, but I promise you it's going to be um, priced way, way higher. So everybody's going to be getting a, a huge discount on this because you're a part of the group. So the Q&A, the questions and answer kind of sessions and whatnot that we have, um, the review sessions and all that, they'll be recorded as well. Um, but that's between us. That's the extra personal kind of stuff. And the, the reduced tuition is also my, you know, kind of thank you for being a part of things. If you're in my platinum, my standard platinum group, um, you guys know who you are. You get one coaching call a week and, and whatnot, right? Um, you guys have your normal 50% discount on the training. Um, everybody else, you'll, you'll get the, the discounted rate. But uh, if you don't jump on the live thing, once the 10 week, 15, whatever it turns out to be, once that's done, it, can, it gets converted to a standalone uh, non-live program, um, then it's going to be priced at what, what I think something like that's worth because this is literally – Literally life changing. Okay, I know it was for me. So, anyway, let's see what else we have here. Somebody, ooh, somebody dropped something really big in there. Ooh, who's that? Mokeonyu. All right. So, let's see. So, Mokeonyu. Thank you so very much. Heartfelt gratitude. This is an incredible presentation. Uh, oh, wife jutsu. <laughs> What was the original feeling that drew you to the ninja? Is this the same now? And the number one focus that we have today from the total takeaway that you can gift us to share and always anchor and draw the. Okay, I'm going to need to back up. There, this, this is missing. Uh, hold on. Let's see. Okay, so what was the original feeling that drew you to the ninja? Okay. I came at ninjutsu. More directly, but still kind of backwards, um, uh, but not so much. I mean, I, I came to Mikio way backwards, right? My my gateway to Mikio was through ninjutsu, right? So most people come to spiritual traditions and things like that because they have this they have this quest and, and things like that, and that's fine. Um, I, I did, and that's that's way too long to describe right so um anyway right but mikyo definitely the back door and then uh, you know kind of flipped around so i've always seen this as burning a candle at both ends right so um but to the ninja uh i can tell you that nine out of ten people that came to ninjutsu way back in the late 70s early 80s um all had prior martial arts fight combat experience that kind of stuff Right. Um, it's not like today. Right. Where most people walk in my dojo have never even taken up martial arts. And if they did, it was when they were they were a kid. And now they're coming back. OK. So. What drew me to ninjutsu, and again, it was quite by accident, because when I first saw the first ads for uh, the, the one book by Stephen Hayes, uh, the ninja what was it ninja spirit of the shadow warrior. So it was volume one of that O'Hara series that's grown into what everybody now knows as the complete ninja. Uh, it's a big fat book that's made up of what seven or eight volumes. They were all individual books. Anyway, um, I, hmm. You could also go back and watch or listen to episode 68. That'll help as well. Anyway, um, my, 
let's just start with the law enforcement kind of thing. So I was a military cop and I realized that the, the training that we were getting for self-defense was really not sufficient. So I started looking at different martial arts and, and things like that to, to get uh, what I needed. And that didn't really match my experience growing up with the violence and, and things that I had witnessed and experienced and, and all that kind of stuff. So um, when I finally opened my mind and, and started looking at this stuff with needed to, the feeling was, it, the, the feeling was it matched my recognition of the kind of options and the kind of tools I needed to handle violence, but also the completeness that it offered because it wasn't just a martial art. There was all this other stuff, right? The, the spiritual side of it, the psychological side of it. Um, what really drew me to it was the discussions by Hatsumi Sensei and by Stephen Hayes early on about the goal being to become the Tatsujin, the fully actualized human being. Right. Not just somebody who was learning some moves, but going to continue living their life the way they were programmed to or habitually decided they were going to do whatever. Right. So the feeling was, wow, holy shit, all this, sign me up. Right? And I'm not somebody that signs up for things unless I'm on for the ride. So um, uh, quitting was never an option. Okay. Uh, is this the same now? Um, I think um, it, part of it's there, right? But I've just become so accustomed to studying and researching and, and just doing. Um, and the other thing that I think I think it impressed me, right, that I could do this stuff well into my elder years and all that kind of stuff, right, having just turned 60 um, in January. Um, but the reality is kicking in that that I need to look at the art um and I, I, I'm glad that I understand it to the level I do, because at this point in my life, it's going to be a constant state of adaptation because the body, <laughs> body's doing what it does, right? Life does what it does, right? And so um, I'm constantly figuring out how to do, how to do the same or more with less. But that's that's what the aging process is, right? At a certain point, we all have to do that, right? So, uh, but I think now what jazzes me, the feeling is, is helping the next generation, helping everybody else who w really wants it, who really wants to make that change, to watch their eyes light up and recognize that not only can they learn this stuff, but they're going to be able to do things that they consciously or unconsciously have always wanted to do, but weren't sure how to go about doing that. And so the feeling now is giving students these 
proven time-tested lessons to help them become the kind of powerful, productive, positive people that the world needs and to be the protectors that the world needs more of. I know how woo-woo and kind of, I don't know, cliche and, I don't know, cheesy that sounds, but that's how I feel. Okay. Um, number one focus we have today from the total takeaway that you can gift us to share and always anchor and draw the ones where you have to be and to come to help be a guiding light beacon for future seekers. I think I just said all that stuff, right? Uh, and ways to stay alive and flourish. I'm going to pass on the same message. If I understand what you're getting to there, um, is I'm going to pass on the same message that Hudson Sensei passed on to the Bujinkan for 2023. And that is Kanin. K-A-N-N-I-N. Kanin. Okay. Kanin means keep going. Embrace perseverance. Embrace endurance. Right. I have a, I have a, uh, a piece of art that is, that I found, I actually found it by accident in a secondhand shop in Japan. Right. Um, you know, our minds are always drawn to kanji. See, I've got this giant freaking scroll back here. It's how tall is my ceiling? That scroll is like eight feet, ten feet long, something like that, right? It's got this big old poem on it. Um, but um, it has this. It has these two kanji on. They're they're both pronounced nin, 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 right? What the hell's nin, nin, right? Nin, nin, right? One of them you would recognize, right? It's the nin kanji for ninja, ninjutsu, right? It's in the uh, that side right there, right? It's in that crest right there, right? And in our logo, right? Nin, right? Of ninja, ninjutsu, ninpo, right? Means to persevere, to endure, right? But this other one, right? It's a different kanji, right? It's also nin, right? It's, this is part of a type of poetry that's used in Japan where it doesn't make a sentence, right? It's two, three, four kanji, whatever, and you're supposed to be able to kind of back off, soften your mind and have the meaning kind of come out at you. Okay. So in this one, um, mean, right. Perseverance, endurance, right. Right. For ninja and all that, right. This other one mean, right. To endure, to persevere, right. What it means is the ability to endure enduring, to persevere persevering. Because endurance and perseverance is fucking difficult. It's painful. It's challenging. Right? It's not easy. You have to be able to endure the process of enduring. Talking about it isn't it. Half-assing it isn't it right so if, if that's if one way to sum it up right that's a whole lot nicer than another piece of artwork that actually one of my students who uh, after he graduated from high school went off to university and found himself in japan and studied with one of these uh show uh teachers right show do and he came up with this meaning that he found right and then practiced, practiced until he got, you know, got, got the kanji right and all that kind of stuff and made this and, and gifted it to me when he came home to visit his family. And it's framed, right? 
and it sees three kanji, right? And it's the kanji uh, for mu, right? Lacking, without, that kind of thing, right? The kanji for uh, nin, right? Um, perseverance, endurance, right? And the kanji for, I can't remember the Japanese word at the moment, right? Um, but it means disgrace. And it's, again, it's not a sentence, right? But the meaning of it is, is without perseverance, without endurance, without the ability to endure, to persevere. All that you're left with is disgrace. See, that's not as nearly as nice of a message as nin nin or kan nin. Just keep going, right? But let me add this piece. Keep going. If it's in your nature, because this art is not for everybody, it has it has boiled down to a form that most people will do. And I'll leave it at that. Uh, let's see. My daughters and I say meditation works best when we say it like meditation. Our home, I shared our number one rule to life, harm none and not even thyself. And even more fun, I believe I'm just a state north of you as a thank you for being kind and sharing these sacred ways. Message me anytime if any of the ways of arts that I bring to serve the world to lead each who choose to lead closer to the light. Blessings of protection, peace and love, dear This has been inspirational from my heart to yours, the deepest of bow and respect, honorable diamond of crazy wisdom, sensei. Okay. Um, thank you. I, I don't know how far else to go with that, but thank you. All right. So, uh, Jose, oh, I, you're always coming across my, my thing. So thanks for following my stuff. I appreciate it. I really appreciate your teaching experiences. Always enjoy your podcast. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. I don't know if it's wisdom, right? But, um, Anyway, people look to me for guidance, so just sharing lessons that I got and insights and, and whatnot. So anyway, if it's of help, I, I appreciate it. See, I just caught myself looking over here because I'm reading things. Anyway, so uh, let's do this. We're going to go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, I did want to give everybody a heads up for next week because kind of topics have been changing a little bit because uh, I was going on things that get in the way and whatnot, and now we're shifting a little bit more. Where the was my list? That's Whiteboard Wednesday. There we go. All right. So next week, controlling anger. Controlling anger. We're going to use use the Sanmitsu. Thought we're indeed approaches. Um, and so, yeah. So we'll see how uh, how that works for everybody or how popular that one happens to be, right? But controlling anger. Um, and then the week after that, uh, we're going to take a look at what's in a technique name. Right. The kata names. Right. Um, different ways kata were named, uh, why they may or may not be important. The names. Right. That kind of thing. So well, we'll see how that goes. Right. And then um, oh, we're back to the red pill, blue pill symbology. So anyway, this next couple of weeks, uh, this uh, Wednesday. Right. So two days from now. Right. Whiteboard Wednesday for this week. I am uh, going to take a look at the Yawada. Right. The this is short stick. Right. Um, 
most people know it these days as a coupon, uh, but there, there's, we're going to take a look at some development of it, um, you know, obviously what it means and how to go about approaching training and use and all that uh, in today's world, which means that our Friday virtual class will be using Yawada and very short sticks and, and stuff like that, right? So we're going to talk about the Yawada. We're going to talk about a special uh, tool that uh, was actually a part of, I think, the Kukishinden school, but once everything kind of mixed together with all these arts that were known within the Bujinkan, it's there. It's this Edokopo stick, um, uh, just little modifications and stuff. And then, you know, what you can do today, um, legality, those kind of things, right? So anyway, stay tuned. I got plenty more. Uh, and again, if you're interested, again, in doing like the 37 Fundamentals course, we're going to start that in two weeks, uh, but we need to get people you know, enrolled into it. I am going to have a limited number that I can I can handle. And if you want to jump onto it, great. And if not, no worries. No worries, right? Design this trip for you. You only get one trip. You can't jump on the ride again and uh, you make the best of it for you, right? Okay. Uh, let's see. I just want to check, make sure I didn't have any other comments come in. And I don't see any, so I'm going to wrap this up, and I will talk to everybody next week on our next episode of Kuden. Get more of Kuden Radio. Subscribe through your favorite podcasting site, or join our clan of serious modern warriors at OnlineNinjaAcademy.com.